0: Let me ask you, are you someone with hair? Well, if you answered yes to that question, do I have the product for you? Visit ModernMammals.com and use code MAYO for 10% off. Because the goal with Modern Mammals is to try and keep your hair and head natural. Since I've been using it, that's exactly what I've experienced. I very much prefer it. I don't know if I'm ever going to switch back. Probably not. To tell you the truth, and this means that it doesn't distort your pH balance and natural oils like shampoo would. Unlike shampoo, the products don't have a harsh detergent that suds up and dries out your head and hair. It's just lighter. Than traditional shampoo and unlike conditioners it doesn't leave hair limp and frizzy like you don't want that Seinfeld in the shower like Rory McElroy had it once too or just you know, a mop on your head you don't want that and if you use modern mammals that's not going to happen it's designed to make your hair feel thicker and my hair at the moment feels so thick you can't even pull it out plus the products are easy to rinse out so there's no leftover residue to weigh hair down so Go to modernmammals.com and use code MAYO for 10% off. Again, that's modernmammals.com for 10% off with promo code MAYO. Don't forget to use my promo code MAYO so they know I sent you. More details in the description. Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience Fantasy Football. Today we're going through some NFL news and notes, how that affects the top 200 My Rankings, which you can find in the description of this video or podcast. I will update them after the show so they reflect everything that we're talking about right here because there's a lot of stuff that we might need to move up move down some guys have opted out other guys have been cut from their teams that maybe i drafted on the one team that i've taken so far so we got to figure out some replacements for these guys too plus we're gonna review some of the flex league drafts the drafts that jake Seely runs and just see some of the different trends and maybe some surprises in different builds from different spots i drafted my team with tim andercust live on this show the team yeah, I don't hate it as much as I thought I did at the time. It's still not great, uh, but I definitely zigged when everyone else zagged. Uh, But I've had a lot of success doing that in the past. I'm not playing for, you know, second place. I'm playing for first place. For second, last, all the same to me. I'm not here for runners-up. So if that strategy ends up working, and I'll talk it through with Jake here, uh, because he has a very similar team that he did in his auction, uh, just maybe how you build, like if you have the fifth pick, because that's a really tough spot to be in. Uh, If you want to find the entire Fantasy Football 2020, Kit. You can find it for free in the description of the video and podcast. It has all the RB player profiles, the rankings, the debates, the strategy, everything is there in one handy spot. If you want to go check it out, please smash the like button for this episode and tell me which Washington running back you think is going to score the most fantasy points in 2020. It could be none. Uh, it could be an answer for that. You just fade the entire board. But I'm curious to see because there's like six options that you could potentially have now. Jake and I are going to hammer that out to find out uh, who the guy that maybe you should take is. We'll even see about that. Uh, also, please rate and review the Pat Mayo Experience audio podcast, ton of fantasy football, along with the regular UFC and golf and nonsense coming at you. New shows every single day. You might want to go check that out. Tell a friend while you're at it. Two, Jake Sealy from TheAthletic.com is on the line. What's going on, my man?
1: Ah, not too much. Yeah, that that team, which we're going to be talking about. Yes, you you have, what, like one running back left now because of the Darius Geis news? I, unfortunately, I'm with you. I have so much Darius Geis and... I'm in I'm a tough spot now.
0: Well, I was just surprised to have, like, I wasn't planning on taking Darius guys when we had done that draft. Uh, the problem is, is he was there in, like, the ninth round. I was like, yeah, I'll roll the dice on this. This seems like a pretty decent yeah. idea. Not I a mean, good idea, the- as it turns out.
1: <laughs> no, the problem was, you got Anderkerst, and you shouldn't have drafted with him because you lost him, and then you had Damien Harris, and they ended up signing Lamar Miller. So, like, you, you should have just drafted with Tim. That was your problem. Yeah,
0: that is always a problem. Although him and I, when we do teams together, it usually turns out pretty well. Fortunately, when you play like zero RB or at least like half a decent RB and then none else, uh, not even by design, that <laughs> if you're running back, I am put it this way, I'm much happier I'm losing my scrub running backs than all
1: the good players I have at the other positions. That is true, yeah. Because if you lost like Michael Thomas today, like that wouldn't be you wouldn't be recovering from that. True. So Darius Geis
0: has been cut by the Washington Footballs. Uh, That leaves a (laughs) backfield. I I mean,
1: what are we calling them? Are we called like the Washington Football Team? I just did a, the football. So I just did a podcast this morning where somebody—it sounds so weird. I almost called them their old name, and then when they're referencing the team, they said, "So the backup running back for the football team." I was like, "That just sounds so stupid."
0: Yeah, let's just call them the
1: footballs
0: for now. I
1: like the footballs. That's better.
0: As we go through it, so Geis is out. Uh, he has domestic violence charges brought up against him. Apparently, he had a history of this. Washington wanted nothing to do with it, so they just cut him outright. Uh, that leaves Adrian Peterson. Uh, It leaves... Peyton Barber, who's apparently on this team, my guy, Peyton Barber, uh, Antonio Gibson, Bryce Love, and JD McKissick to choose from. So the two that I think that we really need to hammer down on, Adrian Peterson and Antonio Gibson. I looked at drafts from Friday to today, and the highest Adrian Peterson went in any of those drafts was 74th overall. The highest Antonio Gibson went in those drafts was 83rd overall. So sixth round pick, seventh round pick. Uh, they're generally going later than that. That was the high end of the range in some of these high states leagues but news came out today it's like hey Peyton Barber we can see is an every down back and you know what Jake I see it because Peyton Barber is much like Jordan Howard you just put him on a team they're like let's give that guy the ball like uh, uh, apparently people love Peyton Barber like he's just a really good guy and they want to see him at least give him opportunity to do well but if he had to choose like everyone is just riding Antonio Gibson's jock right now but I, I think it might get a bit out of control here
1: I think it will get a little out of control with Gibson. And I actually saw when I updated the rankings, Gibson fell at 42 for me. He didn't move that far because I already had him somewhat high. Uh, Adrian Peterson jumped to 43. I don't have Peyton Barber because you know what Peyton Barber is, Pat. You know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna even curse on your show for you. Peyton Barber is the chicken shit way out. It's like, oh, I don't wanna fail. So let me use this guy that I know I can trust. He'll go out there and get me my 3.8 yards per carry. And he is. Jordan Howard's a good comparison. Like, you don't go wrong with Jordan Howard, but what do you do right with Jordan Howard? Nothing. That's why everybody's always trying to replace him and send him to a new team. That's the same thing with Peyton Barber. Like, have some balls, go with somebody like that's good or has upside. And I think that's what they're going to do. I think the Peyton Barber talk is just that it's coach speak time. We're talking up every, this is the same team that called what 18 different guys, their version of Christian McCaffrey, including Antonio Gibson, like chill the hell out. But I think Antonio Gibson's biggest concern is that even in the best case scenario, which before this, as the uh, timeshare piece to uh, Darius Geis and Adrian Peterson just falls out of the picture is he's, a, he's just going to be the complementary piece. He's going to be eight, to maybe the most you see is 15 touches per week. Great RB three, great upside. He'll have some weeks where he finishes RB one, but that's who he is. Like he's never going to be the go-to 70% of the work. You don't want him as that, you know, maybe he shocks us. Maybe he turns into Austin Eckler, but I don't think that's who he is. So I think Adrian Peterson's going to have some value. Uh, I think the one sneaky one, if you're in a super deep draft is Bryce love because they did draft him to be the new Chris Thompson last year. But the problem he has going against them is he has no touches. And now he's playing for a new regime. This isn't the regime that drafted him. They drafted Gibson. They didn't draft Bryce Love. So that comes into play too. I think it'll be muddy. And I will say this, Pat, I I hate to say it because I've been the one that's like, hey, we're going to get 16 games. We're playing the NFL season. But just as a side thought, I just want to throw this out there for everybody that's like, oh, I'll wait to week eight. I'll wait to week 10. I'll get the game winner in the second half of the season. I might just lean and take Adrian Peterson, because at least I know for the first five, six weeks, he's the guy. Like, let's let's not be like ignoring the fact that maybe the season gets cut short at 12 games. Yeah,
0: front-load your your teams. Yeah, don't be playing for the second half, although during, like, championship week, I guess... I don't even know how that would work. I think you need to implement rules in your league and have a very clear discussion about what happens if the season is canceled. Does everyone get their money back? Do we call it where it is? Or this wouldn't be... I mean, I don't like, like, total points leagues, but if there was ever a year to run one, it feels like this would be the year. Like, I hate best ball, but best ball is a much better option. Also, DraftKings just released a best ball product. I suggest everyone go play it. Uh, But it has a bit more value this year than I think it does in any other year. Like, I don't know what the numbers you've seen on your fantasy football stuff so far, but I can just speak from not only me, but my numbers, and maybe these two things are directly correlated, that I haven't had the same, like, I'm usually hyped for football by now. <laughs> and I just feel like there's so much uncertainty, not necessarily around it happening, because it looks like it's definitely going to happen, at least for week one, and then right. we'll see where we go from there. It's just, I'm still pessimistic about, like, what the overall upside is that I've been... Far less engaged with it than I normally would be the second week of August.
1: Well, it's twofold. It's one is we saw what happened with baseball and everybody's obviously pensive. When we look at that as an example, the fact that I I guess actually threefold, because that's one, two is the NFL is not doing what the NBA and NHL did and created bubbles. And we see how well that's working. Both of them just had zero test positive again. So it proves that works. And baseball has been going the opposite direction. St. Louis has still only played five games or something like that. So we saw what happened with Miami and St. Louis. So I think that's kind of two points in one is that everybody sees what happened is legitimately scared. Something's going to happen. in The NFL teams are going to miss time. Players are going to miss time, whatever it might be. But the second part of it is because there's no preseason, it doesn't feel like it. Like we would have had our second week of preseason. We would have had games to watch and see what the snaps were and see who's getting the first touches and all the stuff that usually we talk about every single year is not overblowing that information and putting too much value into who got first team reps and all that type of stuff but it gives us something to watch and talk about. And without that, I think that's the problem, is that people are just still in this mode of like, it's only three and a half weeks away, and it's still like, is it really coming? Do we know? Like, It is, but at the same time, I think that's the problem.
0: So I had a discussion with a lot of my league mates where I'm the commissioner to try to figure some of this stuff out. I think that we're going to temporarily implement two extra bench spots this year per roster, just to kind of give yourself an out, because there's going to be nothing worse then you know how like people like the late stack in DraftKings. like there yeah. would be nothing worse than like i don't know playing someone on thursday night or and like oh i'm gonna hammer this guy i have all my team in the monday night game then all of a sudden like half the team test and they cancel the game like i don't even know how that's gonna be scored so, I would probably just want to front load everything uh, as I'm going along. Like, I mean, of course, I want to play the right matchups and everything like that. But I think that you, where normally it wouldn't be a big deal whatsoever, I think you need to look at that for one thing. And with the kickoff being September 10th this year, like, if you can do your draft September 9th, that would probably be preferable.
1: <laughs> well, I, yeah, the, the weekend before that's Labor Day weekend. So, that you get a built in day of, no, well, I was going to say off from work, but I think still 90% of the people aren't even going to work anyway. Like, I mean, they're working, but you don't understand what I'm saying. I'm with you is uh, I threw that out and you, you know, you mocked it. And I said, you know, if you want to play best ball weekly, I just, I was again, just giving more people like you're doing right now, give more options. The, all the flex leagues went to 18 roster spots instead of 16 to give two additional bench spots. Uh, there's talk about if we find out that it's going to be sketchy in some leagues, do we do a best ball weekly? So you don't have to worry about that. Some people have thrown out past team quarterback not team running back and team wide receiver but team quarterback in case the you know Dak prescott gets covid for monday night football and they have to go with the backup so those type of things and i'm not saying anyways the right way you guys do what you want to do i think the biggest point is what you said to start this all off is have a plan before the season starts don't be trying to figure this out in week two your season ending what the rosters are going to be what the weekly scenarios are going to be all that type of stuff figure that out before the season starts
0: uh, we haven't spoken since Damian Williams opted out on the season, leaving the Fresh Prince of Hilaire just being like a top five pick all of a sudden. Like where would you rather have Clyde Edwards, Hilaire or Miles Sanders? Miles Sanders. OK, so one you, spot. So you're not getting Clyde Edwards, Hilaire in drafting because he's going as no, I... fourth and fifth overall now.
1: I went from having 100% – like, I'll pull up my rosters – from having 100% of Clyde Edwards-Hilaire because I was the insane person taking him in the second round, possibly even in the end of the first. Then the news comes out, and all of a sudden, I hate Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Like, the thing is, he didn't move for me. He's still eighth as much as I don't like Derrick Henry and I'm discounting him from what he did last year, as more, I say, regressing him a little bit in my projections, as much as I have that, as much as Miles Sanders has the Doug Peterson effect, but he finally has a bell count. and they really haven't added anybody as much as you, if you don't even like those two guys, I just don't see how you put Edwards Hilaire in front of them. And I'm the Edwards Hilaire guy. You and I talked about this on two different shows now. And the thing about Edward Solaire is I don't need him to get 20 carries a game. He's not going to get 20 carries a game. He's probably going to settle in a 14 to 18 touch maybe. Even some weeks he might get 20, but probably in that range most weeks. And that's great. He's on a great offense to do so. And he does have top five upside. But I just don't see how you take him in front of those guys. And especially if he's going to go fifth overall, that means it's either in front of Kamara or Cook. I think that's batshit crazy. Now I threw out two shits for you. Actually, that's three now.
0: So in the one that I was in, the PPR flex uh, snake draft, he went 11th overall. But over the weekend, uh, I've just looked at some of these high stakes leagues, uh, and not all just high stakes leagues, but since last Friday through Wednesday, uh, right now, a sample of 23 drafts I'm looking at that right now, Clyde edwards Holaire is going as the average ADP of 6 overall, as high as 4th, <laughs> as low as 16th. And Miles Sanders is going at ADP 10.
1: Say, like, do you, did you see where Miles, or Clyde Edwards-Hilaire went in the Superflex? No. Flex League? So the first five picks, McCaffrey, Barkley, Zeke, Jackson, Mahomes, then Edwards-Hilaire goes at wow. 106 in front of Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara, Dalvin Cook, Joe Mix. Like, that's where he went. Like, I understand it. And I understand it for the argument. Like, if you don't take him there, you're not going to get him because he is now in the first round. And if you want him, you're going to have to. But at the same time, where's the potential return? You know, I preach this every single year, Pat, is don't buy all the risk. And it's hard not to buy all the risk in the first round in general because it's the first round. But at the same time, Edwards Hilaire to return that value has to be everything we think he could potentially be. And there's just so much from being a rookie. And again, this is coming from the guy that was the guy that was crazy high on him. And I I just, it's weird that I went from being crazy high to the voice of reason. The biggest
0: thing to me, and you kind of hit on it, is that you've now bought out all the upside on this. Like the other guys that are currently inside the consensus top four picks, McCaffrey, Barkley, Zeke, and Camaro. You can even throw Henry or Cook. I I mean, Sanders suffers from a little bit of this, but at least we've seen him, is that now when he's going sixth overall, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, or fifth overall, there is still the unknown of what his actual upside is. We can project it out on paper like, oh, he's Brian Westbrook, but better. But we also don't know what the downside is. The, the thing that he doesn't have in common with the other guys, they have a track record of doing this over multiple seasons where he does not. So that's what would make me pensive about taking him that highly. I think the back end of the first round, sure. But I don't see a substantial difference in the outcomes between Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and, let's say, someone like Kenyon Drake. I think that the upside is higher for Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, but I think if he ran this season 100 times, Kenyon Drake would outscore him 50 of those times.
1: I could see that. And I'm not the biggest Drake guy. So, but if you threw in like other names, like Nick Chubb, Josh Jacobs, Joe Mixon and stuff like that, I think that's the range he should be going in, but that's who that I, and I had him in front of all those to begin with. And he's at eight and eight's a really aggressive opinion aggressive aggressive ranking in my opinion to begin with and it really comes down to are people overvaluing him just because of the offense he's in he says he's picking up the playbook and it's super easy to him there was a report from somebody that covers the team that says he's the first player he's ever heard not rookie just first player ever to say oh andy reed's playbook is easy to absorb <laughs> that's i mean like andy reed's playbook is a legitimate thing also is Clyde Edwards Hilaire's ability to pass block. And like, that's one of the concerns he had coming out of college. There's a lot of shotgun coming from LSU. There's a lot of times where the running back didn't even need to, or, or being asked to pass block. Uh, so can he handle that? Like, that's a big question for rookies in general, let alone in this offense. So again, we know what the upside is. It's just, you have to factor in some of the downside and of anybody going to this range of all those, I would say Drake and Clyde Over Lair have the two biggest bus potentials. And again, if you're taking them at five, you're taking them in front of not just those, but guys that would seemingly, if healthy, have zero bus, bus potential in like Henry and Jacobs, or Henry and... Um, Mixon, The other Cook. one, Miles Sanders, Joe Mixon, yeah.
0: Yeah, so the big thing here, the reason that I compared him to Drake more than anyone else is that I think they have similar profiles and similar risk assessments of what you want this year. Like, I look at that range that you talked about, the Chubb. The Jacobs, uh, Chris Carson, Aaron Jones, like that entire collection of running backs, like the second round, early third round running backs, or mid-round, second running backs, late first round. And I don't think that any of those guys have the potential to be the number one running back in fantasy football. I just don't. I don't think that their profiles match up. Could they be number three? Sure, if they score enough touchdowns. But based on the skills that they provide and the stats they put up, they just don't catch enough balls in order to make that leap to be the number one player. All things being equal in health, re, you know, not affecting 99% of running backs or something like that. And people know what I'm saying when I talk about this. I hope, at least. <laughs> Clyde Edwards-Hilaire has a great unknown, but in his optimal role, he probably is the number one player in fantasy football. And I think that... To a lesser extent, that's why he's going later. The same thing applies to Kenyon Drake. If he's catching balls out of the backfield in that Arizona offense and he's the guy and he gets 20 touches a game and he controls the goal line, there is that path. Now, it is a very unlikely path, But as opposed to the Chubbs and the Josh Jacobs, like that upside is higher. The downside is far greater because those guys are kind of steady Eddie right in the middle. They're going to do what they do. They get their set amount of touches and maybe they do improve in the passing game. But they're not they're not going to be a threat to catch 75 balls. You see what I'm saying?
1: Uh, I definitely see what you're saying. The one I, I will disagree on the one factor is I just don't think there's number one upside uh, just cause I'll bring in the comparison of Austin Eckler last year. And that's what I'm talking about. Like that's the ceiling for Clyde Edwards. Sure. But, kind but, of touch but, and volume. But, but
0: what was, what but, was, hol- what was Eckler through the first eight games? He was what, we, r- running back three.
1: That's what well, that's what I was going to say. Or the first five, which people like to chop off the first five. Cause those, the week six is where he had a, a poor game. Even those, it, both of those to your point, it was three. He was behind cook and McCaffrey. And that's the thing is like, I just I don't see a path where he gets past McCaffrey or a healthy Saquon Barkley or even possibly Zeke Elliott. Like that's the thing is like I don't see number one for either one of them now. Top five. Yes. Like, can he be in the conversation with Dalvin Cook and Alvin Kamara and Austin Eckler if he's Austin Eckler like he was last year? Sure. But I don't see the path to a one 2 finish.
0: I really like Kenyon Drake. I was really bummed not to get him in that draft. That's why I was really hoping optimally. We'll talk about the best spots to pick from here in a minute. Just some more news to go through. Uh, when I want to talk about Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Let's say you don't get him, but you still want to try to gamble with these extra bench spots, deeper drafts. Darwin Thompson, thin Lizzie McGuire, Daryl Williams. Who's the backup?
1: DeAndre Washington. That's uh, And DeAndre on. Washington. That's, that's correct. Yeah. Why isn't it Daryl yeah, Williams? Uh, because Daryl Williams just isn't that good, but he, that's, but that's at that's least he's been good.
0: used and been like somewhat successful.
1: So and so is DeAndre Washington. He was very successful when Josh Jacobs missed time. Sure, People but I forget that.
0: But Williams also has. I would just think that if he remains on Kansas City, that he would have the inside edge there.
1: No, I think that that's the reason they brought DeAndre Washington in initially was, this is before the draft, so this is some of the things that you see happen, is they brought him in to be that backup plan because, you know, he's just got that all-around ability where, it, oh, he's not a top-10 talent, but he's proven time and again that he's all-around ability, that you can trust him. And he's, he's the better version. He's the version of Peyton Barber that people want. It's like, he's good. And that's the thing is like, you know, Darrell Williams has his limitation. Darwin Thompson is passing game, has his limitations for being a full-time runner. Uh, All these options in the backfield have limitations. DeAndre Washington might not peak out at a nine or ten in any one area, but he's a bunch of sevens and a bunch of sevens in this offense. If this put it this way, if we drafted today and there was no Clyde Edwards Hilaire and Damian Williams did sit out. Like, I would be all in on DeAndre Washington as a potential top 15. Like, I think he is the option. Well, if
0: that's the case, then then if you're confident about that, I don't know if I'm as confident or you are. You kind of sold me, though. Like, we talk about Alexander Madison, Latavius Murray as kind of the guys to have if the starter goes down. You want those guys as a potential top five, top ten running backs. You're saying that DeAndre Washington could be that guy as well, just with a bit more risk, not knowing for sure what the situation is.
1: Of course. And that's, that's why is because this is my assumption. This is my educated guess, as we always try to do in a lot of these clouded backfields or clouded situations, the difference between the ones you just mentioned, right? We know those are the, we know Madison's the backup plan. We know Murray's the backup plan. If we knew Deandre Washington was the backup plan, we'd have him probably in front of those guys because he's on the chiefs. Uh, yeah. But the thing that you you mentioned is like, yeah, there's no guarantee that even if he is the backup plan that they still don't sprinkle in Darwin Thompson or they still don't sprinkle in Daryl Williams. So that's the other issue there. So I think it's a good comparison to be make between those, but the good part about it is because of that uncertainty, you're still, as of today, getting Deandre Washington is like the last pick in your draft. I don't even know if he's still even going inside the first 16 rounds of a normal draft yet. So since the weekend
0: uh, that's, I really want to put out like a lot of these injuries. So get guys out of the way, just include drafts where he just wasn't available to be picked unless someone's like a complete moron or Damian Williams DeAndre Washington has gone as high as 121 as low as 240 with an average of 168 so he's been like the last round pick for a lot of people and I highly endorse that like he's still going ahead of Raquel Armstead who's another potential depending on Chris I just don't see Chris Thompson taking over for Fournette if Fournette went down I feel like Chris Thompson's role would stay the same and and Armstead would become the new like Fournette type player but I would prefer DeAndre Washington because he plays on the much better offense but in terms of guys he's going behind like Justin Jackson and Joshua Kelly are still going ahead of DeAndre Washington I can see Jackson just in case he's like the first man up but you're still on the back end of a split there either way Anthony McFarlane still going ahead of him as a backup we don't know if he's going to be the guy in Pittsburgh if James Connor goes down so I think I would just rather gamble on the situation that's better I- I'm kind of buying you here with DeAndre Washington
1: and that's the thing is so the ones that you just mentioned too is like deandre washington has the chance to be the guy like what he was the like jalen rochard was still sprinkled in a little bit but deandre washington was essentially treated kind of as like the lead option when josh jacobs was out the two scenarios you just mentioned like i'm a joshua kelly guy but i'm not saying justin jackson's definitively not going to beat him out especially being a rookie but if anything were to happen it seems like they're going to share like the roles that you just mentioned is like even when the lead option goes down, it's still a split backfield, maybe 60-40 at best. Uh, this What we're looking at here is hopefully that DeAndre Washington, as has been the case often with Andy Reid anyway, as we know, gets 70% of the work because he doesn't like to sprinkle in guys too much. Last year was the first time in a long time we saw as many running backs get used week in and week out. I mean, even a specific week then Andy Reid has in some time. Lamar
0: Miller signs with the (laughs) New England Patriots. This, does this do anything fantasy-wise besides cast doubt on sony michelle because now the reports are that he and his foot injury may not be ready for week one Uh, i've been grabbing damian harris in a bunch of spots i don't know whether he's good or not and i know james white keeps going in ppr drafts is the guy to take it just fucking rex burkhead again
1: (laughs) no because i mean rex burkhead always does like little flashes here and there what are you gonna get two good weeks out of him that's the biggest problem here like just Stay away. I, I, if anything, just draft James White in PPR. He's still going at a depressed value for being James White. And I understand there's concern that now Cam Newton is not Tom Brady, but Cam Newton does throw to the running back some. It's not like he never throws to the running back. So if James White even keeps 80% of his role, it's not sexy. It's not exciting, but at least it's somebody that you'll be able to use. The biggest problem here is now you're throwing darts at like who's going to be the guy. I don't know that the rest of the backfield is ever going to be a guy. And what a surprise is Bill Belichick. But like one week, it's probably Burkhead. The next week, it's Damian Harris. And Damian Harris, I think, is talented if he's healthy. Uh, that's the biggest question is that he was hurt last year and then never really got a shot because he was trying to come back from the injury. And then by that point, Bill Belichick was like, screw it. You haven't even looked good when you've given you your opportunities that you've gotten. So Damian Harris is in the mix. Lamar Miller, who the hell knows what Lamar Miller is at this point? Like you said, the biggest news is that if you're signing Lamar Miller, it, like you should have already been off Sonny Michelle at his price to begin with. Now, I mean, I don't even know if I even want to waste my time. Even if Sonny Michelle fell to the 11th, I don't even know if I want to waste my time drafting him because this just oh, this, this looks so dark for what potentially is going on with his knees.
0: Uh, you can give me a straight pass on this one if it's just a complete non-factor in news. But again, with these expanded like fantasy rosters, that maybe some of these guys start hitting your radar. Miami. Albert Wilson has opted out, as has Alan Hearns. That leaves Jakeem Grant, Isaiah Ford, Ricardo Lewis, who just signed, and Chester Rogers, who just signed. Now, this is for fourth on the totem pole behind <laughs> Preston Williams, Devontae Parker, and Mike Kosicki. But do any of these guys potentially possess value? Because I feel like we all kind of like Jakeem Grant because he's so fast that maybe he could be more of a game breaker. I would like to see him win the role because I'd like to use him on like DraftKings. You can double dip with him as he returns kickoffs as well. But yeah. would any of these guys, because like, it's not like people were, people were drafting Albert Wilson, although he was fourth in line. No, I know. He's uh, but also, good.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Albert well Albert Wilson has yeah, shown the flashes of being good. As it does actually two things for me is of all those. Well, the big thing too is Ricardo Lewis was actually let go and then brought back. So I don't think that casts a lot of excitement for what they think of him uh, more of a depth piece. Uh, sorry. I'm not trying to be like a dick about it or anything, but I think like Isaiah Ford is the one that I'm intrigued with because it seemed at the time that they were drafting him to be the new slot option. And that's where Albert Wilson does a lot of his damage. And I'm not saying that Kim grant can't do the same. Cause you just mentioned his speed, but I think Isaiah Ford is who they wanted to step into this role. If no, Albert Wilson, so i would look to that but it doesn't really do much for me wide receiver wise what it does for me is i was initially cool on mike gosicki mostly because he had one of the biggest opportunity shares of tight ends down the stretch last year and still didn't even rate inside the top 10 for efficiency whether you talk about touchdowns receptions his drops were really high like it's just or no his dropped actually i don't think he dropped anything that was the point yeah he didn't drop anything and it still wasn't very productive he had so the problem with Gasecki is opportunity to glore and still didn't produce. Like, so what was going to be better this year with a healthy Preston Williams? So now that you take Albert Wilson back out of the equation, I think you look at Gasecki possibly repeating what he did last year, maybe even improving to like five, 10% better. So now he starts definitely getting into that tight end one conversation. In Oakland, the reports are
0: that Brian Edwards has passed Hunter Renfro and he is potentially now past Tyrell, the gazelle. William. that should have been easy to be on the outside now now he's getting a bunch of like sleeper hype oh my god Brian Edwards so <laughs> he, here's my problem with this if they go out and they draft Henry Ruggs in the first round who's definitely gonna start and no one wants to take him before like the 13th round in fantasy why the Stupid. hell does anyone care about Brian Edwards
1: uh, because people want the sexy fun thing to talk about which makes no sense and why you're not in on Henry Ruggs I you know this I I just wrote about it my 20 most owned players is just I've been trying to do this since before the draft to tell people that Henry Ruggs is more than just a burner he's more than just Ted Ginn like stop with that nonsense the other part of that news that was in there mixed in there Pat was the fact that Henry Ruggs was seeing some slot work to get him open quicker and to get him more custom quickly as a rookie because Brian Edwards is an outside guy he's not gonna be working the slot so you hear that and it's oh my god Hunter Renfro screwed. And you know what? Unfortunately for him, it looks like that's the case because Renfro is probably like Cole Beasley type, which I know you have a fondness for the Cole Beasley's of the world. Uh, But that was Renfro's job. And Renfro looks like he's the one who's getting pushed out of the equation completely because you do need the outside guy, whether it's Tyrell or Brian Edwards to compliment Henry Ruggs. And if those are the number one and number two, the number three is probably Edwards or Tyrell because Ruggs is going to be seeing some of that slot work. So Bad news for Renfro. I want to get too involved with Tyrell uh, at all, pretty much. And I would take a flyer in Bridwin Edwards at the end of drafts because he's somebody that got overlooked in college because of some injuries. Uh, probably somebody that could have been a first-rounder if not for the injuries sidetracking him and what the path he was on. Uh, but at the same time, there's that. There's being a rookie. There's being a rookie with Derek Carr. I would just do what I've been doing. Just take Henry Ruggs and stop worrying about the rest.
0: Yeah, I I don't have a until something like noticeably changes, I have no real interest uh in Brian Edwards at the moment. Maybe my mind can be changed on that. Green Bay. So reports are that like we've been saying all offseason, Alan Lizard, the Lazard Queen, is going to be the number two in Green Bay because Devin Funches has opted out for the season. But they just they just uh Claims your guy off waivers, Jake. I'm uh, getting my hat. Travis Fulgham. <laughs> my... uh, they, there you go. they also are reportedly in talks with Malik Turner uh, to come in and potentially be on the team. The basketball too. player. Yeah. No, the, the former Seattle wide receiver who just like randomly okay, spiked you know. for like three games. Uh, there, There is your hat. The old dominion, mighty monarchs.
1: <laughs> like they're not mighty. They're just sh- plain old monarchs. <laughs> should we
0: care about anyone not named Devonte Adams in this passing game?
1: Alizard. I think so. And look, I I said this and I wasn't kidding about it. And it's not just because I have a fondness for him. Like, if you're in a suit, like you talk best ball, like I know everybody has value in best ball. I hate that cliche argument, but if you're in a super deep league that goes 22, the reason we say best ball is because not a lot of people play in rounds that go up or leagues that go up to the 22nd, 23rd, 24th round. That's where you start thinking about Travis Fulgham. And it's just like, Travis Fulgham is a big outside receiver coming from ODU is a small school. Like Al mitt. ODU is not a good team, but he dominated. And I mean, dominated against good talent in conference USA. It's not upper echelon of the world, but we've seen small school players perform as at times they're looking for an opportunity to find somebody to fill in for the number two role for Aaron Rodgers, despite not drafting somebody to be that. So if it's not Alan Lazard, it's just the fact that I don't have a lot of confidence in Marquez Valdez Scantling. I don't have a lot of confidence in Jake Kummer. And I don't have a lot of confidence in anybody on that. And it's not just ODU. It's just, you know, I did see a lot of them because that's my school. But I think that if full, go- like, it, let me go, let's put it this way, Pat, number two receiver for the Packers. Like, you're guaranteed every single week he's going to be the number two receiver seeing 80% of the snaps. You're going to take a flyer on that guy. It's why I drafted Devin Funches and Scott Fishbowl in the 24th round or whatever it was. So I think that's the appeal here, but it's still Lazard as of today.
0: Yeah, Lazard has, like, decent value, but he. I, it feels like Fulgham was just brought in because he was on the Lions and might know that playbook. You see this a lot during this time of year, that guys on divisional teams will be brought in just so they can get some insight onto what the other teams are up to.
1: I I think that's kind of overblown at times. I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm not saying they're ch- trying to get some intel, but I don't think, like, would be the only reason. Like, look, he might not be even on the roster on week one. It's not a guarantee. It just... I'm, I'm more pointing at the fact of like if we get some intel, which is tough this year because, again, we don't have preseason games, but if we get some intel that if he's at least the number three behind Alan Zard, now an injury happens and all of a sudden he's relevant. I think that's the only thing we need to watch here.
0: Yeah. And if something, God forbid, happens to Devontae Adams, guys could get so, propelled up pretty quickly because there will be just forget fif- it. <laughs> 15 targets a game to go around. Are there any opt outs on the offensive line that you think, besides like Nate Solder, I suppose, but any ones that kind of stick out to you be like, huh, that could be a problem?
1: The wasn't the did he opt out or they just get COVID? The one from Tennessee, and now they were talking about the rookie that they drafted, they were gonna have to slap in a like tackle to start with, and now he might even be in a left tackle. I thought one of those did, but I might be misremembering. Uh, I yeah, think it, maybe
0: Anthony McKinney opted out.
1: If that's not huge I, don't, I think like tennessee's line is looking a little bit shakier than we thought it would um but again it's derrick henry so i'm not overly concerned about that i think the biggest one is what you just mentioned Soldier was terrible last year but so this is so, so
0: what you're saying is that this is a good thing
1: no it's not because now you're talking about andrew thomas who comes in who was supposed to be starting right tackle from day one Might be forced to left tackle, which is fortunately where he played for all of his college career. But I'm I'm looking. What the heck was the guy's name? I'm going down the list right now, trying to find it. Oh, Matt Pert was the guy they drafted. I think from Colorado or UConn. Maybe I think it was UConn, but he was like he was supposed to be a development person. And now they're talking about he might need to start because of solder. You know, Saquon Barkley is definitively one of the best running backs in the NFL. But there's only so much you can do dancing around behind an offensive line that was already pretty poor last year and it, you know, you're throwing potentially two rookies in there or a rookie and a journeyman. I'm looking up the other guy's name that I'm trying to remember. Oh, Cameron Fleming all for Dallas. I mean, he might be in the starting lineup now. I mean, there's just a lot of questions there now.
0: Yeah, I think the biggest one to me would be Juwan James in Denver, only because they don't have any other tackles really to come in and replace them with. Like,
1: I mean, that was a bad offensive line to begin with, too. And
0: and they tried to improve; they made some signings during free agency. But like, I initially saw like Marcus Gilbert opted out for the Cardinals, the right tackle. And I was like, well, let me look into this a little bit. And like, they actually do have some depth at right tackle. It's not like Gilbert is like the greatest right tackle in the world. James is someone like Denver was going to be relying on to be like. Not necessarily their best offensive lineman, but he had to be good for them to be good.
1: Yeah, I'm looking right now at who they have sliding in. So they have Bowles returning, and Bowles actually, I think a lot of people were expecting more from him, so if hopefully he can continue to improve. Their right tackle right now listed is Calvin Anderson off the Jets. The Jets offensive line, if you're pulling somebody off the Jets to start on your offensive line, that's not good.
0: No. All right. Well, let's talk about, uh, before we get to the draft trends, let's talk about my draft that I did in your snake PPR league. Uh, I'm just looking at it right now. I got the fifth pick. So when it got to me, I took Michael Thomas instead of Derrick Henry or Dalvin Cook or Joe Mixon or Clyde Edwards Hilaire. You should have
1: opted out. I gave you the option to opt out. You should have opted out. <laughs>
0: I, well, the reason that I took number five was I thought it would make for, an, an listen, this is a league that I could do a show, but I'm drafting it live. I think fifth is probably the worst pick you can get. Five, six, four, five, six, six, seven, and eight are all really bad picks.
1: Yeah, I, I really, I don't mind five as much because like I said, my big five are Cook included. So if I get Cook or Kamara at five, I'm fine with that. Uh, I will take Michael Thomas at six, despite the fact I don't love, you know, this, I don't love taking a wide receiver, but if he's there, that's where I'm going to go versus being the first one into that Henry group. Uh, but the biggest problem I have with it is I don't like where you come back. That's the issue is yeah. five and six in the second round. All the RB ones are gone. Uh, that tier of wide receivers. Usually if Hopkins or I'm looking right now, if Hopkins or, or uh, Tyree kill end up coming off the board, Kelsey sometimes gets into that mix because Leonard Fournette should not have been drafted at that point. So you get all the way through Austin Eckler, Kenyon Drake, you get through the top five wide receivers, Kelsey might be gone. And now you're sitting there like, well, do I take a running back early? Do I jump down to the next tier of wide receivers like Juju Smith-Schuster? Or do I draft Kittle kind of a half round too early? It's just, I hate that spot.
0: So after, you're right, because I that was the trickiest part, was the second round. Now, I love Travis Kelsey, so it wasn't that big of a deal for me to pick him there, but I won. But lead. what if he
1: would have went? What would you have done? That's the thing. Or, what I, if, what I, if I probably,
0: well, I mean, with the way this broke down, the two picks ahead of me, it went Fournette, then DeAndre Hopkins, then I took Kelsey, that I probably would have taken Fournette over Hopkins, but if not, like, I ended up with Kenny Galladay in the third round, that I may have even reached for him there because I really like Kenny Galladay. That's how I ended up with him. So my start was Thomas Kelsey Galladay, which looks incredibly crappy on paper. I'm not saying that it's good, (laughs) but I just didn't know what else to do. Like you mentioned, all the good running backs, tier one, tier two, and tier three, gone off the board i could have taken aaron jones maybe that could have been an option i'm just not huge on aaron jones i was yeah. i and i was talking this through in real time while we were doing the draft i was like oh we'll take Gurley in the third i like Gurley. then he goes two picks after he went in the second round i was like oh my god yeah. then i started trying to piece together like can i do that draft that we talked about where i get kelsey and kittle, and kittle. all at the same time but he went at the turn and then lamar jackson went i so when it came to me with evans and Moore off the board in the third round my options were mahomes Galladay, James Connor, Melvin Gordon, Chris Carson. I like Connor. I like Carson. Carson probably could have been the pick, but I thought that like one of those guys would fall to like the fourth round, but then it just never happened. It it happened right after Carson went that a huge wide receiver run happened and then it didn't get back to me. And I ended up having to take Le'Veon Bell in the fourth round. And that was the pick that (laughs) I really don't like. I wish I had just kept taking receivers at that point.
1: What was Tim's response when he took Le'Veon Bell? (laughs) He was
0: pumped. Well, no, he hates Le'Veon Bell. <laughs> Le'Veon Bell's the one jet he okay. doesn't like.
1: So He'll <laughs> never so. enjoy. So
0: that's good news. <laughs> and like, I don't have a huge, like, Carson above Connor and Le'Veon Bell, but I have those three pretty close compared to the other jabronis in this region, like Melvin Gordon, <laughs> David Johnson, Singletary, Merlin Mack, Ronald Jones. Like, I think those three are substantially better fantasy options than the other ones. But just fifth. Yeah, I'm really. Fifth was just a handcuffed spot to be in. Like, I don't like that pick. I draft that last no. out of all the picks.
1: I'm, I'm with you. Uh, I'm really high on Chris Carson. Uh, that article I was talking about with the top 20 owned players. I own so much Carson. I, I, I think I'm like at 90% or something like that. I'm, I'm huge on him this year, but it's funny you said that for the fifth pick because I had a similar scenario to you where it was the first time ever. I went quarterback early because I was in the fifth pick of a draft. Now cook felled me at five because Camara went four. Uh and I didn't have to take Michael Thomas because Cook was still there for me. But it came back around and I was just like, Kelsey had already gone. So I was just like, this is gross. And I took Mahomes and I took Mahomes. And not only did I take Mahomes, I doubled down by taking Mark Andrews in the fourth round. But my wide receivers ended up being so ridiculously still good because wide receivers so deep. Uh I say that not to say like, Hey, you were dumb to go wide receiver. It's just that every draft, like you just got to kind of have to find where the values are. Like if, if Darius Geist doesn't have his situation and get yanked, I still like your team. I mean, your top three wide receivers, I mean, your top two, nobody's got your top two wide receivers matched to Michael Thomas and Kenny Galladay. You've got the best tight end. You have Kyler Murray. You have Le'Veon Bell, who should be a still top 15 running back, even if he's just consistently boring at this point, only scoring, I mean, only scoring 14 to 16 points a week. And then Jarvis Landry is a third wide receiver. Like that's a great start. The Darius, the Darius guys thing couldn't, have, you, nobody could have seen that coming. I don't think it's the worst. It looks kind of gross, like you said, if you really break it down. But at the same time, for where the value fell, I don't think it's that bad.
0: That's well, and the structure of the league, too, like knowing your league setup is really key in this. So in this particular league, you start one quarterback, two running backs. Three wide receivers, a tight end, in two flex spots. So you have to start more receivers than running backs every single week anyway. And then in the two flex spots, I feel like my depth is so big at wide receiver, even when we go down the board. Like, I still have Christian Kirk. I have Jerry Judy. I have Randall Cobb. I have Michael Pittman. Like, I can where a lot of teams will be playing like sort of a mediocre third running back in one of those flex spots. I won't, I'll be playing like a higher upside wide receiver in that spot. So all I need now is for belt, like you said, to be relatively mediocre, just be a real boring RB 13 and have one of these other guys come through for me, whether it be Damian Harris or chase Edmonds or Kamara gets hurt. I have Latavius Murray. If, if, Elvin Kamara gets hurt and like my team stays healthy and Latavius Murray is healthy. Like I might win this league pretty (laughs) handily.
1: (laughs) You you might, that's a lot to ask. I mean, I mean, well, not a lot to ask, but it's just a big ask. I should say like, yeah, if Kamara gets hurt, if Drake gets hurt, you know, that's really like if Connor gets hurt again, like, I mean, you've got three options where somebody gets hurt. Although Anthony McFarlane, like you mentioned before, I I don't know that he may or may not
0: be the guy, but the whole thing,
1: I think he'd be the guy,
0: but my whole thing was like, and this is what I talked through was that because I wasn't able to get one of the best running backs, because I had I missed out on the first four. And maybe you could argue Dalvin Cook's in that mix. I think he's very close. Uh, but I said, I can get Michael Thomas. I can have the number one receiver, the best receiver. I'm going to put him on my team. And then when we got to the second round, I can have the best tight end of my team. I'm going to take the best tight end, and then I end up with Golladay. It's like I think he's like a top five guy potentially, so I'll take him. You're the
1: best wide receiver too, and it's not even close.
0: And then when it got to Kyler Murray, this is where it got kind of crazy because I was going to take McLaurin or Chark, and they went two picks right ahead of me. But the three guys that I really wanted, as we talked about as we were doing it live, was Chark, Metcalf, and McLaurin. So I have it, McLaurin, Chark, Metcalf, and they literally went the three picks before my pick, so I couldn't take any of them. And I was like, maybe David Montgomery will get back to me in the next round i can just take him and then he went to pick right after but i took kyler over dak and russell wilson and deshaun watson i feel kind of stupid seeing where deshaun watson went now two rounds later but at the same time like i would have just happily taken montgomery there or ty hilton and been on my way or even steph diggs but the reason i took kyler versus dak wilson and deshaun watson was because of the Almost like we talked about with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire at the beginning, the reason that people are taking him so highly is because there's that unknown of him being the number one running back, potentially. If everything goes right, he's the number one running back. And I think that if everything goes right for Dak or Russell Wilson or Deshaun Watson and things still go right for Lamar and Patrick Mahomes, they're not cracking into the top two. It's going to be Lamar and it's going to be Patrick Mahomes. I do feel... Well, Kyler Murray might have a higher range of outcomes than these other running than these other quarterbacks. I felt like I had to shoot for the moon with Kyler Murray because I do think if everything breaks right for him, fantasy wise, that he can be not run as much and score as much on the ground as Lamar Jackson can, but he can do like sixty percent of that and be way better in the air. So like he would have the potential to be the number one quarterback if everything broke right. That's why I took him.
1: I. And I can definitely see that because the thing with Kyler Murray is I don't even think he ran as much as he could, obviously, last year. And I'll compare it like I think he's got Robert Griffin upside. Like he's not Lamar Jackson for a thousand plus, but if Kyler Murray ran for seven, eight, even yeah. maybe even 800 to that point, And he's got DeAndre Hopkins. He has a terrific deep ball. Uh, He's a really good passer. We all know that the the, the height concerns were way overblown. Uh, I agree with you. Like if you talk them side by side and you said Lamar Jackson still runs for a thousand, but Kyler Murray gets nine or 700 and that 300-yard difference. Well, that 300-yard difference sounds like a lot. That's 30 points. But Kyler in the passing game could easily close that gap, especially from a touchdown department with DeAndre Hopkins now in the fold. As good as Lamar Jackson was last year, that's all anybody keeps talking about is that his touchdown ratio should pull back if he doesn't improve as a passer, which I think he can, and I actually am a Lamar Jackson fan in that facet. But if he doesn't, if he passes the exact same level he did last year, that touchdown ratio shouldn't be what it was.
0: So just because of the construct of my team, I felt like I had to shoot for upside where I already had, like I said, the best receiver, the best tight end. If I could potentially have the best quarterback, I don't need good running backs. And there's, and I really do think that there is some merit well, because of those check two, that e- box. Uh, because there's two extra flex spots that you only have to play two running backs. Remember the very first year of flex? This is basically how I drafted my team. I had like one mediocre, I think I had LaShawn McCoy who ended up being like, running back 11 that year and i think chris thompson was my number two and he scored like eight points a week but that was good enough because you only had to play
1: two (laughs) running backs you that chris thompson i was gonna go back and see if i could find it just to go look (laughs) oh were you in the snake draft right
0: uh yeah i was in the snake ppr that that was the year that i won and i came third the year before that i think
1: was that the did you win you won the end but you you were second in the season i think yeah i think so all right, I was going to pull up your team real quick because it's, uh let's see, your roster at the time at the end of the draft was... That was Justin Forsett. That was Derrick Fadden. That's why. Derek Fadden, Justin Forsett, Chris Thompson, James <laughs> and Jonathan Stewart. You just had a bunch of backup throw them in your roster and see what happens.
0: Yeah, but I guarantee you the rest of my team looked super Oh, religious. the wide
1: receivers. So yeah, Julian Edelman score over 200. Mike Evans score almost 300. Steve Smith score 180. Alshon Jeffrey scored 150. Cole Beasley scored 180. And then you had Jordan Reed scoring 160 as your, as your tight end.
0: Yeah, so if you can hit on the other spots, your running backs don't need to be good when you only have to start two. And you had Andrew Luck, too. Yeah, and there we go. Anyhow, I bet you that was a good Andrew Luck here, wasn't it?
1: Yes, 300 points. <laughs> yeah.
0: So you have to get lucky with your other spots. But again, like I'm playing for first. I'm not playing for second. Like if I want to go one route, I think you have to. I'm not recommending zero RB by any means. This is just how the draft right. presented itself to me. And you ended up with a team very similar to this in your auction, didn't I hate you? It.
1: Yes, and that's the 100% because I hate zero RB. And I actually kind of ended up with modified zero RB because I do think Chris Carson is a bell cow. And I think he's disrespected, but my second running back, just like you was Darius Geis. (laughs) (laughs) And fortunately I have, I do have Antonio Gibson, but at the same time, so Michael Thomas went out early. He was actually the second pick uh, player thrown out and I got him for 48. And that was the thing. It's like, I was willing to go low fifties on him and jump into the fifties, but it stopped at 48. It's like, all right, fine. Kelsey was the seventh player thrown off the board. You, we had this argument on your, I referenced it while we were doing the draft. I referenced your argument with me about doing the Kelsey Kittle thing. And just as a whole that I usually don't ever have either one of them. Cause I'm not willing to draft in the second round. But Kelsey stopped at twenty six, and I like, I looked at it with your argument, and it's, it's the same reason because I agree with you on this mention is the fact that if you put Kelsey at wide receiver, he's not twenty six dollars, he's thirty six dollars at least, and that's what I'm looking at is like, well twenty six, fine, I'll take him. Then I got Galladay for twenty eight and Keenan Allen for eighteen, so I'm like, well, I guess I'm going wide receiver, tight end heavy. I might as well go this route, and that's just because that's where the value fell. Do I love it? Was this is a team I would draft in a snake draft? Absolutely not. But to your point about your draft in the snake and this entire point that we're having is you have to adapt. And sometimes it's not going to be the team that you love, but it's going to be the best team you can get from that spot.
0: The one case, not necessarily for zero RB, but one thing that I'm not necessarily hoping for this, but I think if I just logically think about this NFL season is that. The backup running back is going to be an essential part of everyone's fantasy teams at some point, if there are COVID breaks. I mean, just through normal attrition anyway, with injury, random backup running backs become big players in fantasy football. But if COVID now gets injected into this entire thing, and guys have to take two, three weeks off, you can patch together running back much easier than you can patch together wide receiver. Davis had brought this up the last time that we had spoke about it. Now, Davis is all over the map, but this was a very good point, is that... (laughs) You can take, I don't know, Le'Veon Bell out of the game and insert Frank Gore. And Frank Gore will put up like 85% of Le'Veon Bell stats or maybe even match them. But if Michael Thomas gets taken out of the game for New Orleans emmanuel sanders isn't putting up 85 percent of michael thomas's numbers that just isn't happening it's just easier to replace the running back than it is a wide receiver because those targets get distributed to three other people instead of one other person or potentially two other people that you can draw an easier connection from oh running back is out here is running back that is going to do it if a wide receiver goes out you're like i don't really know where the targets are going (laughs)
1: <laughs> right. Like, uh, I mean, like Kenny Galladay, like Kenny Galladay comes out. Is it going to be Danny Amendola putting up a top 10 performance? No, we're not. <laughs> this is, and that, that's really good. because like a lot of it's going to funnel back to Marvin Jones and TJ Hawkinson. And like, that's what you look at with the wide receiver position. Is it? And this is the argument of where bell inherently comes from. Anyway, it's the guaranteed touches every single week. Uh, but to the, you know, the, the discussion we're having now is that replaceability is easier for this. And that's actually what I ended up doing you know, even more so than you did. And that just, because you were in a snake, but I was in auction. So I had a little bit more ability to do. So is on my bench. I have Boston, Scott, Phillip, Lindsay, Duke, Johnson, Anthony McFarland, Antonio Gibson. Like I hammered running backs with potential splits, if not upside for more on my bench and to go to back to your team as a comparison, Debo Samuel is my fourth, who I can wait on because I have Sterling Shepard as my fifth and Henry Ruggs as my sixth. Like, This is like, now I'm done at wide receiver. I don't need to even worry about picking up a hot name in week two at wide receiver. I'm going to do what you're going to be doing in your league. And that's just going to be looking for the running back opportunities.
0: Yeah, and I would think that better options at running back will present themselves higher at a higher rate week to week than they will at wide receiver. I think that's just very logical to think about that way.
1: Yeah. And unfortunately, the one thing I did too was draft the second tight end only because I wasn't going to let Hunter Henry go for six bucks. Well, I mean more than like, like, I was just like, I don't want Hunter Henry, but six bucks, get the hell out of here. I guess he's on my team. Uh,
0: So what other draft trends did you just kind of stuck out to you? Cause you monitored all of the different drafts that went on. Were there players that (laughs) like, just you didn't think would go as highly and just kept going highly everywhere. You're like, that's strange.
1: The uh, one I hate more than most everybody in in football, it's the wide receiver. Pat, I think you know he's the Jared Cook of wide receivers. You know what I'm talking about? He Will, wins DraftKings lineups.
0: Oh, oh, Will Fuller. I this is probably yes. the better better year for Will Fuller than any year, just with so much uncertainty. Take the high upside guy.
1: It is, but to still see him sneaking into the fifth, sixth round, I just, like, Brandon Cooks, like, I understand Brandon Cooks is huge injury risk with the concussions at this point. But if you're telling me everybody's healthy, Brandon Cooks is the number one. Why is everybody acting like Brandon Cooks sucks? Like
0: Uh, Brandon Cooks came out today and said that his concussions, he's not worried about them. Now, he may have forgotten he had the concussions. That's (laughs) going to be part of the issue. Uh, But I think I'd be plenty concerned about concussions.
1: Look, and that's the, like uh, Wes Welker towards the end of his career. Yes, the, and that's the thing. We know we, the science. We understand it. Uh, Eric Lindros in hockey is one concussion. It's easier to get two and three, and it's just exponentially gets Brett,
0: worse. I believe that was Brett Lindros.
1: No, it was Eric Lindros.
0: Yeah, Brett Lindros was the one who had his career ended by concussions. I think maybe that happened to Eric Lindros like 13 Eric years Eric Lindros
1: later. had a lot of concussions too. <laughs> yeah, but he I played was, for like 13 uh, years. <laughs> Uh, he did, but it, it racked up at that point. Cause he was on the Rangers. That's why I remember. Um, so, but the point being here is with Will Fuller, if Will Fuller and Brandon cooks are both healthy, which is the assumption people are making about Will Fuller, who has like soft tissue injury, starting lower leg injury, starting to rack up. Like we're worried about Sony, Michelle and Todd Gurley and all these, and everybody's just like, ah, Will Fuller, he's going to be fine now. He's like the no, guy doesn't play a full season and he's a deep threat. Like, The upside that people get excited with is because he scored two, two, two touchdowns in like three straight weeks or had the eight touchdowns over four or five games or whatever it was. Look at the rest of that season. Like there was a lot of single digit performances. Will Fuller is Deshaun Jackson, the new Deshaun Jackson, which is fine. But to draft him like in the fifth round, like you asked me, like I was just surprised to see him go there. I wouldn't take him over a lot of the guys he went in front of. I understand it. Like if he plays 16 games and he is the number one and Brandon cooks does get hurt. Give me some Will Fuller, but I just don't understand that one. Uh, the, for the other trends, I would say a surprise that tight end fell as far as it. I think everybody's so uh, disenfranchised from what happened last year with the tight end two t- or tight end two tier two, if I could say it, that you and I continually talk about and say don't even draft that tier. That we saw Darren Waller, Hunter Henry, Evan Ingram in your draft fell to round seven. We yeah. saw Rob Gronkowski and Hayden Hurst, who I love Hayden Hurst in round nine. In my draft, I just mentioned that you know Hunter Henry went for six dollars. I'm looking at the other one. Darren Waller was in the sixth round of the other one, Tyler Higby in the eighth, Hunter Henry in the ninth, Noah Fan Evan Ingram in the ninth. People are just there's there's the real takeaway. I will say that if you don't want to draft Kelsey or Kittle, wait because you can just wait on tight end, apparently.
0: And uh, it's, uh, yeah, if you can jump the board and get those guys, those two are the most valuable. It's like getting uh, Mahomes and Lamar Jackson. Like, I feel like kind of a schmuck for taking Kyler Murray where I did. That's just how the draft was following to me, and that's what I felt like at the in the moment I had what I wanted to do. But, like, Matt Ryan in the 10th, Cam Newton in the 12th. Uh, where did my guy Daniel? Daniel Jones in the 13th Good round. guy like there are guys to take late like the middle tier of like Wentz in the eighth or Drew Brees in the eighth or even Josh Allen in the seventh like no <laughs>
1: <laughs> like no <laughs> I mean Matt Ryan fell all the way to the 10th the yeah end like, of the tenth. like Matt
0: Ryan is substantially better pick and obviously in looking at this in retro like in hindsight and to say oh like Yes, Matt Ryan in the tenth is a substantially better pick than Drew Brees in the middle of the eighth round. He just is. You get two more rounds of value for someone who's probably better anyway.
1: Yeah, and that's I think that's the big. So the other takeaway is, and you can see it if you look at the draft boards, and I tweeted them out. Uh, not so much the superflex because you get that overlay of all the quarterbacks sprinkled in there, but you can kind of still see it if you look at the colors. So blue is running back, green is wide receiver all five drafts the best ball still isn't finished yet but all five drafts you can see there's like around 16 ish running backs the first two rounds and then they disappear for the next three and don't really start hitting again until round six i think that kind of goes to how your team fell it's like if you say well maybe i'll wait on david montgomery or maybe i'll wait and see if chris carson like the first two rounds you're not going to be able to wait on anybody and if you wait again just two or three picks is going to drop you an entire tier where you're going to be waiting till the sixth or seventh round to get your second quarterback or second running back
0: yeah if i was looking at that three four five six range at running back if i didn't take a running back in the first two rounds i think my targets would be carson connor bell montgomery probably i
1: don't either. even love montgomery i don't love but montgomery
0: see, but i think that he's safe volume if nothing else and like i i would have preferred like i thought i was going to get him in the sixth and he just didn't materialize there he went in the fifth i guess cam Akers could be super interesting too i wouldn't reach on acres but i'd be good if he fell to me in the sixth round which is where he went here like he was going to be after montgomery when i was like oh maybe acres will make it now didn't happen
1: yeah or raheem oster i mean nobody want i don't want anything to do with the shanahan backfield but if he kept the job the entire year, I mean Raheem Mostert in the sixth is gonna be an insane value. Yeah, I just that, that's the biggest. I
0: I think that there's too much risk baked into that based on how they of course go, how they go, but here's just the even thing. week to week, whether he stays healthy or not, like he could have six really good weeks and then ten really awful weeks.
1: Right. I completely agree. But and I was gonna go back to so my bell cow thing is not only the fact that I'm taking a running back almost always in the first round, unless Michael Thomas falls to like six, seven, eight, somewhere around there. But if he, even if he does, I'm usually going running back running back to So I'm usually I would say nine out of ten times the auction is a little bit different. So that throw that when I'm talking about typical snake drafts, I'm getting two running backs in the first three rounds. And I say that to this point that we're talking about right here is I don't have to make this decision about David Montgomery. I don't own David Montgomery anywhere. I don't own Kareem Hunt. I don't roam Mostert. Acres, any of these guys, because I'm drafting wide receivers, I'm taking Terry McLaurin and DK Metcalf and Marquise Brown and AJ Green and TY Hilton. I'm taking those guys in this range. And I feel better about that because those are type of names that have wide receiver one potential. In the fifth, sixth round, and I don't have to make this annoying. Oh, do I really want David Montgomery? Do I really want crappy Le'Veon Bell? No, I took care of my running backs, and now I can go attack this wide receiver value, which is just insane, in my opinion.
0: Well, yeah, the receiver value in the fourth round. I think two of the best picks in the draft that I was in came after, right before I picked Bell. Uh, they came off the board. But Robert Woods, second pick of the fourth round. Adam Thielen, the fourth pick of the fourth round. That like was that, that's nuts. Like I would be good with a wide receiver core of Woods, Thielen, and one of chark metcalf and mclaurin i feel like i would have three top I 20 guys love that. and i would and i could take those rounds potentially four five and six depending on the if i was in a less sharp draft than this but let's say i had to take them three four and five it's probably a reach on one of those guys in the third round but i could have a the way this broke down i could have miles sanders Kenyon drake and then like four of those guys as my team <laughs> which would be awesome
1: uh- and and that's the big appeal here. I'm trying to pull up the draft I recently did, which it almost became a zero wide receiver. And hold on, I'm going to pull it up real quick for you here so you can understand the value that I'm, I'm agreeing with you on the value, obviously, is I ended up going, who did I take? Miles Sanders in the first round. Then Nick Chubb was still there in the second round. And Chris Carson was still there in the fourth. I'm like, well, definitely doing that. <laughs> Even with that, three of my first four picks are running backs. I still came out with... Devonte Parker, Allen Robinson, Marvin Jones, Stebo Samuel, Sterling Shepard, and Preston Williams—like, like—to still come out of my draft with those wide receivers, and to have those three running backs as my first four picks. Is just that—that's the proof right there that wide receiver is ridiculously deep this year, and somebody's going, two or three guys are going to fall because even if you're a fan, it's—it's it's what you and I talked about. You can mix up everybody from like wide receiver t- thirteen to twenty-five. And because of that, people are taking their guys, but the other ones are falling.
0: All right. I think that'll do it. Pat Mayo experience. Jake Seeley from theathletic.com. You let everyone know what you got going on, okay?
1: (laughs) I just, like, you just follow me at all and kid, I tweet everything out. I just released my top 20 own players after last week, the players that I hate my projections the most and I pretty much don't own. Uh, So that's what's going on. And then next week, I'm I'm doing a little draft 101, Pat, because it appears that a lot of people come to us still and it's funny, like, we kind of forget people that are like this out there. Like, hey, I've never done an auction before. What do I have to do? I've never done fab. We're moving from waivers to fab this year. What do I need to do? So we're, I'm doing a little bit of a draft 101 or not draft, I guess, fantasy 101 next year. Next year, next week. Good God. I, I, my brain's tired. Yeah.
0: But your brain's tired. And football hasn't even really started yet. I know. So just, just I should get, have done like get, Brandon
1: Fuston and taken a vacation in August. Who does that?
0: I don't know. I took my honeymoon in August.
1: Oh, yeah, that's true. That's why you couldn't do the draft last year.
0: Yeah, it was. I got married three years ago, but okay. <laughs> was it? Right, we, we tend to I'm go. Trying, we tend to, no, no, well, no. I know.
1: I'm trying to think what, what was last year. Was it, was it baby last year? What was the, why couldn't you do it last year? I was at
0: a wedding last year, and my wife told me I wasn't allowed to draft from a wedding again.
1: Oh that's well that's what it was. Yeah, you were you were at a wedding. You're always at a wedding for some reason. Not anymore. Like Meanie, why does Chris Meanie go to 7000 weddings? How many friends does Chris Meanie have?
0: Uh, I went through a period like I think between the ages of 20 and 29, I went to like 3 weddings and then from 30 to
1: 34, I went to 36 weddings. Oh my god. <laughs> Here, I'll make you feel better, Pat. If I ever do finally get married, I'll send you an invite that you're fr- I- I'm only sending it to be you're a friend of mine. You don't have to fly in from Canada. So you can you can decline to come.
0: <laughs> hey, listen, I'll i all come. I I wanna go to Vir- Virginia Beach. Sounds nice.
1: <laughs> you have to think about where I lived.
0: Yeah, I did. <laughs> I, 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 I was gonna say, where is he living Oh yeah, Virginia, that's right. Anyway, Jake, thank you for being on. We'll re-up once some more news hits too. Uh go to theathletic.com and you can check out all of Jake's work. You can find all my work in the description of this video and podcast. The entire free draft kit is down there and up on DKNation.com as well. Like the episode for the video version, rate and review the audio version. Follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at the PME. Ranks in the description as well. Not Adam Rank, my rankings for football. Check those out. I'll see you next
1: time.